What would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 1 of Family Ties. This episode is titled The Real Thing, Part 1, and it originally aired on the 26th of September, 1985. And with me, as always, to discuss this episode is my very special co-host, Keith. Hi-ho there, neighbor. How you doing? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> We're back from uh, Thanksgiving break, if you're here in the United States. Yeah, American Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, if not, uh, then we're just back from a week off that didn't really have anything to do with you where you were at. Yeah, and you it was just another week for you. That's right. Oh. But we had, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was awesome, actually. We had two. That's right. Yeah. You had an early Thanksgiving. Yeah, because my, uh, my parents left. They uh, said, peace out, Cub Scout, and they, they left on a little mini vacation for three weeks. That's great. So we got together with my family the early part of November, and then obviously, you know, we had the regular one on Thanksgiving. Fantastic. What about you? Oh, it was a fantastic trip. We were gone for a week, and uh, I'm pretty sure all of it was super fun. We definitely didn't record this right before we left on the trip. No. And so I know all about the things we did on our trip. (laughs) What was your favorite thing that you guys did on your trip? (laughs) Probably the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would have picked, too. Yeah, that was the best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, we're back with a real episode in the regular season four now. We had a great time with our super epic uh, giant episode for the movie, which was so cool. My girls still want to watch that movie like every day. They're like, can we watch the Family Ties movie? Can we watch the Family Ties movie? That's amazing. Oh, and Tessa is like all about like the Family Ties show. She's like, Dad, is it Family Ties night? No, no, no. Is it family ties night? No, no. <laughs> well, this is this is my whole goal when I set out to do the show is to get a whole new generation of kids watching Family Ties. Well, we're we're huge with the four year old demographic right now. Huge. That's fantastic. That's good. Yes, that's always the demographic we were aiming for too. So, you yes. know. <laughs> if only we could monetize that somehow, some way. I know. Too bad they don't have jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or phones, for that matter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, podcast apps on there. What do you call those things from Amazon? Kindle? Yeah, the Fire. Fire, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> they don't have podcast apps on there? No. Well, not that I've ever seen, but we'll upgrade them to an Apple product, and then they'll have the, the podcast app, and we'll get our subscription levels up higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, that's good. Well, they were super cute on the episode. It was fun, uh putting theirs together some great giggles and stuff so yeah that was super excellent job girls i'll make sure they know that's good oh because you wait they're not listening to us that's right i forgot yeah not yet not yet (laughs) not yet okay (laughs) well way in the future when they go back and go through our whole archive i'm sure they'll hear this oh yeah appreciate it you know yes they will shout out (laughs) (laughs) so this episode brought on some, like, amazing – I mean, we, this is big. There's all kinds of changes, all kinds of new stuff. Oh, yeah. We talked about that right off the bat, you know, just going right into a, uh, an episode. What do you call that? A cold open or something? Yeah. We've got yeah. a cold open. Cold right open. For the music. Yep. <sighs> Almost an entire new opening sequence. Yes. No more painting. No more painting. Oh, I was so sad. I stopped. I had to shed a tear. 
from what I can tell, just kind of looking through, you know, different stuff about it, this is the opening more or less that they keep until the end. So we don't go back to painting. Oh. Yeah. We're in like the modern, you know, we've hit the halfway point of the 80s here. Yeah. So we're moving on into newer things. So that early, you know, because the early 80s felt like the late 70s in a lot of ways. Yep. You know, people think of the 80s and you think of like neon and big hair and stuff, but that's really more late 80s, you know, or mid to late 80s. Yeah. And we're moving past, we're into that era now. Well, just watching the opening sequence and seeing the photos that they posted of uh, the characters, that you really got that 80s vibe to it. You know, with Justine Bateman's outfits and her hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the epitome of 80s right there. And speaking of Mallory hair, we have like a radical makeover here mallory's got short hair oh yeah she cut it all off it was shorter in the movie i noticed versus our end of season three and then it's even shorter now in season four episode one so janelle pointed out that her haircut kind of looks like princess diana which was a very popular haircut at the time oh yeah and they just came from england oh gosh janelle is so smart i mean she can really tell a lot about someone with their haircut yeah and back labor that's right. <laughs> All the little things that we missed there. Yeah. Wow. Andy makes it into the opening credits now. We yes. actually have him represented. I'm curious to see uh, if he gets a credit in the uh, guest stars. Ooh, I will make you wait and we'll find out when we get there. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see like if uh, the cold open is going to be how we go moving forward or because it's we're starting off on a two-parter, so spoiler alert. I'm curious to see if it's just for the two-parter. It could be because the only – I mean, I feel like we've only had it one other time, right? Yeah. And that was the beginning of the previous two-parter. Yeah, we went from uh, a two-parter right into another two-parter right off the bat. Yeah, two-parter movie, two-parter even. So we're like <laughs> yes. in uncharted territory here. Oh, we're just crazy right now. Well, you know whose turn it is because I had to do like the monumental <laughs> effort of recounting the plot of a movie in a few minutes, which was all over the place. I feel like I was able to boil it down to its essence, but man, going back and editing that episode, I was like, I was a mess. <laughs> Well, you didn't have a lot to work with. You've got multiple storylines, which is hard enough to keep track of in a 30-minute episode. But when you got like an hour and a half, like I kept like getting it all mixed around. But I think I think it worked in the end. I think we got the feeling across about it. Mm-hmm. But that means it's your turn now. Well, here we go. I'm just going to dive in. And we pretty much only have Alex's storyline. And the family just kind of interacts a little bit in that storyline throughout the whole episode. Great episode. Went super quick. And by the time it was over, Heidi's like, wait, are we already done? And I said, yeah, episode's over. She goes, well, let's watch the next one. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> you got to wait. Wait till next week. <laughs> That's Janelle trying to get me to watch it, too. I'm like, I can't. I can't no, do that. <laughs> we, it won't be fresh. And I'll mix it all up. I'll say the wrong, I'll say, oh, this, and it'll be from the wrong episode. Yeah. And we'll, what about if your life lesson changes? That's right. I don't know what the moral's going to be on the second oh, episode. Yes. Right? That'll totally mess me up. Oh, yeah. So we can't do that. We don't play that game. No, 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 no. Well, season four opens in a very familiar setting for us. And if it didn't, I would be surprised and shocked. But we open in <laughs> the Keaton kitchen. Of course. You know, at least we open in in a familiar place, you know, after being in England and on the airplane and finding out that Elise can't help herself but talk to any and all strangers and then make one bad decision <laughs> after another. 
<laughs> but uh, we open in the Keaton kitchen and we see that she's got Andy and he's still a baby in this one. And, but he's older. And he's definitely a little older, yeah. Definitely older. And uh, Jennifer walks in and, you know, she's wanting to spend time with him. And, you know, she's going to go to school. So we're starting her next year of school. But she doesn't mention what grade she's going in. So thank you, Julia, for at least pointing out, you know, she was a couple of years behind her true age. And then Mallory comes in, Stephen comes in, and they're all vying for the baby. And Elise is like, I got to feed him. And then she seemed like she had somewhere to go too. But did, did she ever mention, like, is she going to work or, you know, is she an architect this season? Or? Hmm. She might have mentioned it briefly, but I didn't catch it. It wasn't, it wasn't like emphasized for sure. Okay, good. So I didn't miss something. And then Alex walks in. And so we kind of end that first opening sequence where they're all fighting over the baby and they're going to let him decide. And Jennifer gets the food and she puts it in front of his face and she goes, okay, which one do you, which one of us do you like the most? And Steven's like, well, well I'm pretty sure that's clear because you know, the baby like, looked <laughs> around. So, <laughs> so at least uh, we're not going to get into a Jennifer storyline where she's having a hard time with the baby again. You know, everybody yeah. loves the baby. He's super cute. And, you know, he's not talking too much yet. So he's not getting all the one-liners. So we find out that Alex is getting ready to start his sophomore year of college. Uh, he doesn't say it's at Leland, but I'm assuming we're still at the same place here. He's talking about all the new incoming freshmen and how he's been going through the directory. Yeah, the freshman directory. So it's got a photo of uh, all the new people coming in, and he's been uh, carefully selecting the girls that he wants to talk to, and he's narrowed it down to a, a field of seven. So Elise, uh, of course, you know, says that that's horrible and that, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And Stephen <laughs> gets a hold of the director, and he just starts kind of thumbing through it, and uh, she has to correct Stephen as well. But, uh, <laughs> right. So, Which is funny. It's I mean – when I was in college, they still made those little directories and it was specifically for freshmen and so that you could see all the new people that were there at the school. And I don't know if they still do that anymore. Like, I don't know if they, cause it was a book they printed up and gave you at the beginning of the school year. That's funny. I, I don't, uh, we did a night program, I guess. So that's probably why they didn't do that, but I can't imagine they do something like that now. I wouldn't think so, but they definitely did. I mean, that was, a very sp- and I remember going through. I mean, I wasn't scoping out like for who I was going to date, kind of thing. But like, you went through. Oh, who's this person? Oh, check this. You know, because it would have. It was kind of like your senior picture in high school, where it had like a little bit, you know, your interests and things like your major and stuff, so that you could get to know the people a little bit. Oh, that's nice. Maybe you could kind of find something in common and yeah, get to know people a little bit, help okay. to connect and stuff. So I can't imagine that's a thing now. Well, if anything, it's got to be digital at this point. I would think so, yeah. I mean, social media, it's kind of not even necessary. Everyone knows who's everyone. There's probably a like a Facebook group or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so Alex comes home from his first day, and I forgot to mention that he was singing when he walked in the door. And we had him and then Steven picked up on the song. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yes, yes. they had a beautiful rendition, and we get our first awesome joke of, Kiss me, Dad. <laughs> Didn't he just tell Steven in the uh, vacation movie that, you know, it was kind of weird that a, a dad told his son that he loved him kind of thing? Or <laughs> Yeah, that he's handsome. You turn into a handsome young man, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's what every young man wants to hear is a dad thinks he's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, Alex is trying to kiss his dad. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We find out that Alex has got a foolproof plan on how to meet these girls, and he's going to introduce himself as the sophomore welcoming committee. 
And so he's going to introduce himself and he's going to volunteer to help uh, maybe help them view the campus or go on a date with him or whatever's the most convenient thing for him. So he he does that. He introduces himself and he's going to meet this girl named Trish. She's the one he's picked out. And so when he goes to introduce himself to Trish, she's not there. And so he meets her roommate, Ellen. Ellen. What? Tracy Pollen. Woot woot. Season four. Yes. Here she is. This is it. So we get a very awkward conversation between the two of them. And then Trish comes in and we find out that maybe she and Alex have a little more in common. Trish likes his style of person, whereas Ellen was not a big fan. But she pretty much nailed him on all of his likes and dislikes and attitudes right off the bat within a few minutes of meeting him. So Alex and Trish kind of get together and they're spending time together. And you know they go back to the house at one point and Alex is helping Trish figure out what dress to wear for pledging a sorority and... And uh, thankfully, that's when Mallory and Jen come in and they're they're able to take Trish into the other room. She's going to try the dresses on and they're going to give her some female perspective and they're going to use Andy as the tiebreaker. And <laughs> then when uh, they're doing that, Alex is in the kitchen and in walks Ellen. Yes. Apparently, she's the girl that kind of got under her skin a little bit because he talks to Elise about her and Elise kind of says, well, you know, she kind of got you there and you know, we get some sage advice from Stephen where he doesn't want to overstep by giving Alex any uh, advice on his love life. And he just says, good luck. So <laughs> in she walks. And of course, Alex has gotten a gift for her. He got her her very own Picasso. Oh, wait, <laughs> it wasn't Picasso. <laughs> so he <A> Vince Picardo. <laughs> Vince Picardo. <laughs> uh, he was one of the captains of the Starship Enterprise, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was his name. Yeah. (laughs) Or was he the one in Ghostbusters 2? I can't remember now. (laughs) Make it so. (laughs) So he gets her a gift, and of course, you know, they share just a little moment there, and she gives him a little peck. And then in walks Trish, and off they go. So they go to the dance, and Alex is dancing with Trish, and they're just having a good old time. And for some reason, they have a way to view a pep rally from the other day. And so Alex says, why don't you go watch that? I'm going to hang out here for a minute and view the decorations. So he ends (laughs) up having a moment with Ellen. They dance, and they share a very passionate kiss. And apparently something's going on you know, kind of in Ellen's head that we don't really get some clarity on. Until she freaks out and runs out of the dance. And then Trish comes in. And that's when we find out that she had just called her boyfriend right before the dance and said she would marry him. To be continued. Yes. Crazy. So good. It was so good. I really did want to watch episode two. I know. It it was hard not to. But. You know, we had to be diligent here. That's and, right. you know, back in 1985, you ha- would have had to wait a week to watch it. So, you know, we're getting as much of that feeling as we can of watching it like it was really when it was on. You know, I really applaud us for doing that because uh, that kind of restraint is admirable. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> this episode was so good. I mean, obviously, we have the inside information. Spoiler alert in case people didn't know this. That Tracy Pollan winds up in real life marrying Michael J. Fox. I think just three years later, I think it was 1988. 
So knowing that their real life romance is budding off screen, it just adds to that chemistry on screen is amazing because they really like each other. You know, it's just it was so good. Do you think they liked each other even that early on in that that first episode? Well, okay. before we speculate too much, I want to say this. So Julia, our listener from Germany, who sent in a great thing for our episode last week. Yes. She sent me a little snippet of Michael J. Fox's book where he talks about in great detail meeting Ellen. Uh, Ellen. Ellen's the character on the on the show. Sure. Meet, meeting Tracy and getting to know her and a little bit about that whole time period. She also sent me a little like snippet of Gary David Goldberg talking about that time as well. Ooh, okay. There's a lot of detail in there. And what I want to do is go over that detail in the next episode after we get through the storyline of this first two-parter here. Okay. All right. Well, I so guess I'm we're just going to go into You're going to force me to wait too. Yes. We're all, we're going to have to be patient because we got a lot of good info from that that'll kind of reveal it. But I don't, you know, because we don't have the whole storyline here yet, I don't want to go too much into it until we get where we're going. Okay. All right. Well, I'm willing to yes. wait then. I'll put in that time. Okay. This is good. I got this. I saw the email like three weeks ago when she sent it to me. So I've been sitting on this info all this time. You oh, know? look at you. I know. I know. It's just really, <laughs> it's tough. You know, I know what the monks feel like who live in like a monastery for years and years. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing, you know. Are you high up in uh, the mountains of Nepal? Yeah, I'm, I'm dangling on a cliff here waiting. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la. I loved I mean again their chemistry is so great like oh. you can you can just tell that they really really liked each other but the whole the character of Trisha and the tension there where Alex was had a lot of competition all these other guys are going after Trisha and they're calling her and making dates and stuff but it appears that Alex is the one that kind of won that I mean there when she comes over to the house after he has his little moment with Ellen Trisha comes back in and they like Kiss on the lips. Like a like boyfriend-girlfriend type of kiss, right? Yeah, and you saw Ellen standing in the corner going like, oh, snap. We'll see in the next episode. But I think that's what triggered her to want to call her boyfriend and say, yes, I'm getting married. Because she was jealous and saw that Alex was, you know, was going after this other girl who clearly wasn't right for her. Well, on this uh, this episode, I mean, it was very well received. And from what I can tell, like, I don't know for sure if it was this episode that was nominated for an award but they use clips from this episode in the Emmys that year. Oh, wow. And it's very highly rated. You know, a lot of, like, positive reviews. This episode and part two, you know, is like one, two. Very highly rated user-wise. And I, I forget, I, I didn't write it down, but, like, the top 100 episodes of TV of all time, and I forget whose list it was now because I'm not looking at it, but it was listed as, like, number 75 and the best TV episodes of all time. So this particular episode wow. is very, very well received. At the time as well. The funny thing is, I mean, it wasn't a huge laugh per minute episode. It actually had a lot of heart and a lot of feeling in it. So maybe that's that could be why. I think so. I think that it was genuinely a good, like, romantic plot. You know, I mean, you really are invested in the, the story of them getting to know each other. It was just really well done. I can't wait till we get to what you have to say about her in the next episode. Because was she written to be a character for the long term? A short term only character? Oh, I can't wait. Well, I will reveal some information about that to you if you want to get into the uh, guest stars. I would love to. Let's do it then. 
Sha-la-la-la. All right, so we did have a few guest stars in this episode to talk about. Up first, we need to discuss Andy. Yes. Because Andy is in the opening credits now. Mm-hmm. But I, they didn't have a name in the opening credits for who played him. Oh, I didn't even notice that part. All the different websites I looked at, including like our little, you know, the wiki that the we wiki. found recently, Wikipedia, IMDb. No one has a credit for who played baby Andrew in this episode. It's got to be Elise's baby in real life. It's possible. Now, it was suggested in one article that it might be Garrett and Tyler Merriman, who was credited for one episode when he was a little, little baby. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if that's accurate or if that's just someone, like, copying it from somewhere else and assuming it's the same child. Speculating. Interesting. So nothing Maybe in the weeks to come, we'll figure it out, or maybe Julia will point out the real obvious answer that we're missing here. But as far as I can tell, it's not credited anywhere, so I don't know for sure. Maybe it'll be in a later episode, but as of now, it's unknown. So the baby that they used in this episode looked very similar to the baby that they used in one of the last episodes of Season 3. So it made me wonder if it was Meredith Baxter's baby. I do think that's a solid theory. Mm. Mm. So if she had had the babies in October, and this was September, they probably filmed in, what, August maybe to start the season? Maybe July. So that would put the babies at about eight, nine months. Yeah, Yeah. which works. I mean, according to the episode, Andy's supposedly nine months in this episode. Yeah, so that's that's kind of track. So that's my favorite theory so far. I, I like that. I think that is good. Yeah. But... Unknown for sure. So mm. if anyone uh, has anything to point out there. We'd love to hear. We're all ears. We'd love to hear. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So on to actors that we do have credits for. Um, we have Suzanne Snyder who played Trisha or Trish. She's credited as Trisha. Okay. But they called her Trish a lot in the episode. Yeah. Trisha Armstrong. Super familiar name. actress too. Okay, yes. And I, like, the whole episode, I was trying to place where I know her from. And she's been in, she had 37 acting credits. A lot of different stuff, especially in the 80s. There's one in particular that I know her very well from. But just to give you a little overview here, uh, she did an episode of Facts of Life, Riptide, a bunch of other, like, shows in the 80s. She was in um, Weird Science. Oh, yeah. She was one of the girlfriends. That's right. The Last Starfighter, she had a small role in as a cheerleader. Okay. Um, She was in Head of the Class, which is my cousin's uh, show. Tony O'Dell. Uh, Tony O'Dell. Yep. Nice. She did one episode with that. But the thing I know her from by far the most, and, and again, a whole episode I was trying to place her, she's in two episodes of Seinfeld. Oh, really? And the the big one that I know her the most from is she's in an episode called The Limo. And in that episode, Jerry and George are at the airport and they find someone who's like trying to get someone to go in a limo, you know, like the little driver who holds up the sign with someone's name on it. Oh, yeah. And they go and pretend to be that person and claim the limo (laughs) and they get in the limo and then these people climb in. They don't know what they're doing. And it turns out that like the the person who it was supposed to be. Uh, is like was like a white supremacist, and so they don't know this, of course. And then they're like, "Oh my gosh, what do we do?" And meanwhile, like this girl who's played by Suzanne Snyder, she jumps in and she thinks that because they don't know, she doesn't know what this guy's supposed to look like. She thinks George is this horrible, you know, guy, but she's like, you know, likes likes him, and she's like, 
you know, coming on to him and is very attracted to him and stuff. And eventually, of course, they're found out and thrown out and there's a big riot and everything. <laughs> it's a very memorable episode and she's like in a lot of close-ups in it. And I just knew that face and that's what I know her from. So. Huh. Well, anyway, Suzanne Snyder is in this episode. She's a great, you know, kind of a ditzy roommate type of role. And this is her first of two episodes. What? Well, this one in part two. Yeah. She's only in the part two. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for Suzanne Snyder. We'll be seeing her again next week. Okay. Okay, so then we have another, like, even more obscure character um, that we got a credit for. A character named Jack. And it was one of the guys that was, like, into Trisha. I think he was at the dance. And he might have even been the guy that said, let's go watch the pep rally. Yes, but he's also the same guy that told her that she had a phone call. Yeah, I think that's the guy. Yep. That was Jack. And by the way, speaking of the pep rally, I thought it was real weird that they wanted to go watch a video of it. Like, what? I guess they were going to watch the cheerleaders in it or something, but that just seems like a weird thing to go and watch on a video at a dance. Yeah. Was that the sorority that she was pledging? Was that that dance or what? I mean, it was a little confusing, but... I guess none of that really matters, because all that mattered is he was there to to interact with Ellen, but I thought that part was kind of silly. <laughs> well, and the only reason Ellen was there is because they offered to pay her to make sure that there was punch in cups because people <laughs> right. couldn't get their own. That's right. So that's really the framework bizarre. for them being together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll take it. Yes. It was more, it worked great. It didn't matter. Any of the other stuff. We just wanted to see them in a room together. So yeah. Well, Jack was played by an actor named Judson Allen, who only has four acting credits. And so I'm just going to read them because there's only four of them. Yeah. In 2012, he was in an episode of a TV miniseries called Anyone Listening, which I've never heard of it. No. He did an episode of Facts of Life in 1987, so quite a bit before that. Yeah. He did an episode of a TV series called Gavilan, which I've never heard of. Mm -mm. And then he did one episode of Family Ties. Nice. Okay. And that was it. And then, finally, the big one, Tracy Pollan yes. played Ellen Reed. And again, like we said, we all know that he, she wound up uh, marrying Michael J. Fox. And it's uh, it's great. We'll talk more about their, you know, time together next mm. week. She did. She has done, you know, quite a bit of acting. She's got 30 different acting credits to her name. Several TV shows. The ones I just wanted to highlight, though, was that she did an episode of the Michael J. Fox show in 2013, and she was on two episodes of Spin City, another oh, Michael J. Fox show. Interesting. Yes. I wonder. I don't know how she got hooked up with those. She must have had some kind of inside, you know, she was in with someone that was helping out with those. Yeah. I wonder if uh, the casting agent, you know, just like Must her. be, yeah. 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 Cause it must have been. <laughs> uh, but this is the first of... 13 episodes that we have with Ellen on Family Ties. Okay. The first of 13. Well, first of 13. I know. Wow. It's not as many as you would hope for. No. But yeah, it's the first of 13. I mean, that's theoretically only a few episodes per season. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm. that's as far as I'm going to go. I don't want to, like, spoil anything. But I will just say that, you know, you ha we have 13 more or 12 more after this to look forward to with Ellen. So Okay. Wow. We'll see how it goes. And so is episode two considered her second appearance, or are yes, they blending? Yes, including those two? episode two. Yeah. Oh man! In fact, she's in quite a few uh, two-parters throughout her time here. So. Oh, okay. So they're we'll, big uh, fans of two-parters here on the show. Yeah, we're getting quite a few more of them now. So interesting. 
You gotta love that to be continued. I guess this is the thing too. If you think about it, the way that TV shows were structured, you know, back then, it was made so that each episode you could watch in whatever order, and you would get, you know, get the gist of it. And there's sometimes there's some character progression throughout seasons, but the idea is when it goes into syndication and reruns, you want to be able to catch an episode whenever and not have to like have too much knowledge about it. And so the two parter was their way to have a little bit of ongoing continuity, but they got away with it because it was a two parter. And so when it was a syndication, they would play those two parts together, you know? Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So otherwise it's hard to get those, you know, longer form stories in there because it's made to be broken up into little bits. Yeah. You only get to 20, three 24 minutes per episode to make it happen so yeah. that makes sense in order to tell a convincing romantic story i think you need more than 24 minutes mm, no sometimes it's just love at first sight you know or you find him in a brochure and you just uh you know that's true yourself. sometimes that's all you need so yeah. <laughs> you just look at their profile it's like e-harmony you know <laughs> e-harmony in a little uh staple bound book you know <laughs> exactly with a yellow cover <laughs> Well, and that's it for our guest stars for this episode. No one else was credited. All the people at the dance or anything like that. That was it. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Nobody else really had any lines. There was just a lot of dancing going on. I was surprised by the dance, too, because uh, Alex and Ellen really had a lot of uh, good chemistry, just like you said. Yeah, they did. She put her head on his shoulder pretty quick, and it looked like she was nuzzling in. Well, and then contrasted with... That bit when he's dancing with Trisha for a little while, and he's, like, breathing in her hair. It's, like, going into his mouth, and he's just, like, miserable <laughs> with her. It was so funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> Poor Trisha. She'll be all right. I think I think there's enough guys. Jack or whoever will take care of her, you know. Yeah, well, and she did get a phone call from somebody at the uh, senior welcoming committee. That's right. <laughs> Someone else caught on to Alex's uh, scam there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sha-la-la-la. Well, speaking of the dance, we had a couple of interesting music cues in this episode. Oh, did we? Oh, we did. Well, tell me. First of all, to open the episode, before we get to the dance, the beginning of this show, Alex comes in and he's singing. We kind of talked about this. You mentioned this in your thing. He sings a song with Steve and they kind of do a little duet. And the song Mm -hmm. they sing is called Love is a Many Splendored Thing. And... It's, uh, it's, I mean, I'm familiar with the name of it. I kind of recognize the tune, but it's not one I know well. No, it's definitely not something that's still contemporary to this day. No, but it was very popular. Um, it was actually written for a movie called Love is a Many Splendored Thing. And it was first, you know, released in the movie, you know, especially back, you know, in pre, when we got like the full soundtracks released. Each a movie would have like one big song that was associated with it to sell a movie. They'd sell those singles, and that would be like the hit song from that movie, as opposed to, you know, now we'll get like 40 songs all throughout or whatever. And so this was the song for that movie. It was written by Sammy Fain, wrote the music, Paul Francis Webster wrote the lyrics, and um, it actually won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Really? Yes. And it was from the movie of the same name? Movie of the same name, yes. Have you seen that one? I have not, no. But it was originally, in the movie, like, they commissioned it and it was an, it's an instrumental song. But then in order to make it eligible to be the best song, it has to have lyrics. So then they went in and wrote the lyrics later. Oh, interesting. 
Now, why it was Alex singing that with his dad, I'm not sure, other than just he's singing about love. But that's a little history. Interesting, yeah. But the big song in this episode was the one that's playing during the dance. And this one, we actually get like a fairly full rendition of the song. Okay, so I always watch uh, TV and movies at home with subtitles on, just because my hearing is terrible. Right, And a lot of times it's easier for me to kind of get context if I can read what's going on at the same time. So I know what it said on the bottom of the screen when the song started playing, but it didn't sound like it to me. So I'm curious if it was just somebody else singing their song. What, like, you mean the name of who played it or, or the actual lyrics? So my my TV said it was from the Beatles. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's just a typo. So it's actually the person who wrote it was named Billy Vera, and his band was Billy Vera and the Beaters. Oh, interesting. So they must have just had like a, you know, typo in the subtitles, actually. Yeah, because it said the Beatles, and I'm I'm listening to the song, and I'm like, well, that's not a Beatles song that I've ever heard of. And I'm not the hugest Beatles fan, so there's going to be songs I wouldn't know. But it did not sound like, uh, you know, Paul or John Lennon or any of them. So Those other two guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, did Ringo ever sing? Uh, rarely, but yes, occasionally. And he had oh, a solo okay. career also. I think he only sang a couple of songs. And George Harrison, okay. they all had solo careers at one point. Nope. But this was the beaters. That's I think they oh. must have just typed it in wrong. So well, I wonder if I just read it and assumed it was the Beatles, and it really well, said the beaters. Maybe so. Maybe uh, it's not just your hearing. Maybe you got to get your eyes checked too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> funny you mention that, but uh, oh, that's funny. Here, so this song is actually really significant, and there's a really interesting story with this here. So. Uh, this is kind of his one, you know, it wasn't necessarily one hit wonder, but this was definitely his biggest and best known song. Um, it was written in 1981, but it didn't hit like the top of the Billboard charts until 1987, six years later. And the oh. reason is because of this show. So what? Yes. Yeah, so the, I, I just got this came from uh, various places, but mostly from Wikipedia here. Okay. Because it wasn't just featured, and this is, I guess, a little spoiler for upcoming episodes, but it's not just featured on this episode. It actually was used all throughout the 85-86 Family Ties season as the love song associated with Alex and Ellen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're, like, a more contemporary example is, like, the U2 song that they use when Ross and Rachel and Friends, that's kind of their song they play whenever they have a romantic scene. Well, this, like, set the stage for that. They had this song that played constantly, and so by the time the end of the 86 season came along, it started to pick up in popularity. People were invested in this story, you know, their love story, and the song that's associated with it, all of a sudden, it hit, like, huge, and in early 1987, it hit the top of the charts, based on the strength of this show, even though the, the album came out six years prior. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So they licensed it, and they were going to get their money's worth out of it. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, because music is such a powerful trigger, like, it helps to you to connect. Like, oh, this is their love story. It's an ongoing thing. This is by far, gonna, I mean, the most, you know, continuity we have going through the series Compared to other seasons that we've had, you know, I mean, this is going to be good. This is good stuff. I'm excited for the Ellen story. Yeah, that's super exciting. So I just looked up uh, Billy Vera and the Beaters, and uh, they're still playing in Southern California. Really? It it says that currently the Beaters are still playing the Southern California club scene, and Vera continues his work as a music historian. 
Wow. Yeah. So. Okay, that's interesting. That may need to be something that happens believe it. there. He was born in Riverside, California. What? Right by us? Yes. Oh my goodness. He's seventy-seven years old right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> we may need to, you know, search out Billy Vera and have a chat, or at least go see him play live or something. Yeah. Oh, he won a Grammy in 2013. What? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm on their Wikipedia page. So okay, then, okay. You know. So, okay, a couple other interesting things about the song. Um, because it went, it was, you know, January 90, 1987 is when it hit the number one on the Billboard chart, right? And mm-hmm. it was starting to take off. And so they sold a bunch of the singles. And at the time, the singles were primarily the 45 RPM 7-inch record. And it yep. became one of the last songs to appear on the in to get a, a gold certified single in the forty five RPM format because CDs were starting to come out. Wow! So it wasn't the last, but it was one of the last ones to come out in the forty five RPM record format. How interesting! So well, and speaking of uh, forty five records, you know a little bit about that. Oh, I do. I have quite a the few. seven inch. <laughs> yes. Many, many of them. Um, <laughs> yes. In fact, I guess this is a little spoiler for my other podcast, Mandarin Orange Show. But I found mm-hmm. an, another Emperor for a Day coupon. These things that Janelle hid for me all throughout the house. Yes. Tucked underneath my seven inch records today. Oh, what? I was going through and organizing my records and putting them, you know, it's something that I do often going through and, you know, just enjoying them. And uh, I found them tucked underneath all the seven inches. Wow. And you had just found one recently, too, that was in a DVD. I did, yeah. So they tucked them out. And the funny part is Janelle said, well, I knew you were going to go and organize your records eventually. So I figured I'd tuck them under there. So yet again, something she wanted me to organize in order to, uh, to find. Oh, she's tricky. <laughs> she's good. You had mentioned before on your show, that uh, your other show, uh, that you weren't going to be able to use it, though, until after the first of the year because you guys were a little bit busy. This one I had to book all the way in February. Wow. That's how that's how busy it is. That's the next time I was able to get a day to claim my reward. Well, so Janelle's only got one left for this year, right? December? Yes, yeah, she has one final one for this year. So you're going to free up at least one weekend a month. <laughs> I know. It's going to be like, I don't even know what we're going to do with all the time we have next year. <laughs> right? That's 12 whole Saturdays or Sundays that you can do anything you want yeah. now. <laughs> typically we do them on saturdays because that way you can stay up later you know because they don't have like school and work the next day and stuff but yeah but yes it's gonna be it's gonna be nice you know having all that time back Mm. (laughs) well for those that (laughs) are interested in hearing more about king and queen for a day emperor for a day you gotta listen to mandarin orange show my other show that's a little teaser there crossover good show yeah there we go Two other things about this song, and then I'll be done with it. I just was fascinated by this song. Michael J. Fox, in an interview, said that it was year for years and years, anytime he and Tracy, his wife, got on the dance floor, they would play this song. The DJs, like, always had it preloaded, you know? Yeah. And then finally, at the 2011 TV Land Awards, Billy Vera performed the song with the Family Ties cast in attendance, including what? Fox and Tracy Pollen were there. Oh, man. I wonder if that's on YouTube. We need to find that. It probably is. Oh, yeah. That would be great. I'm just excited for this song. We're going to be seeing the song like a bunch more. It's great. 
Uh, remind us one more time. What's the name of the song? It's called At This Moment. At This Moment. Gotcha. And the really cool part is that they're still married today. I know. it's They're, they're such an amazing couple. Like, there's a, you watching interviews with them and stuff. They're, they're really cool. Well, and it's not like uh, the relationship has always been easy, I'm sure, because right. just health issues and everything else. But not like cool. your typical Hollywood couple of, you know, breaking up every couple of years and all that kind of stuff. Like they're mm, yeah, the real no, deal. Not at all. Yeah. That's cool. Well, it was a good song, too. I mean, just based on, you know, what I heard and everything. And, you know, yeah. thankfully I can read the lyrics, assuming they're correct. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty good song. Fit the moment really well. It did. Absolutely. And you got to love the Beatles, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the Beaters. Whichever one comes yeah. first. Well, both of them. Sure. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, alphabetically, Beaters comes before Beatles. So. Oh, that's right. That's probably why they went with them, just alphabetically. Sha-la-la-la! <laughs> Any other jokes or observations or anything else we can cover in this episode? You know, I wrote down just a few of them. You know, Alex uh, had to troll Elise a little bit at one point, and he tells her, you know, you remember what it's like to be young and in love? Or at least in love. In love. <laughs> yes, Aww. that's right. <laughs> Poor Elise is like 40, maybe 41, supposedly, in <laughs> the episode. But she was Ooh. younger than that in real life. I laughed hard, and I, probably way harder than I should have. But, you know, we see that Ellen is painting when Alex goes to meet Trish for the first time. Right. You know, he goes over to the bowl of fruit, and he just kind of bullies his way into the into their dorm room. And he's just going <laughs> to wait for Trish. And it's like, that's not uncomfortable. <laughs> but he sees a bowl of fruit, goes over and helps himself to an apple. And then she goes, hey, what are you doing? I'm painting that. And he goes, where? Because <laughs> <laughs> she was doing abstract art. And she's she's like, I would explain abstract art to you, but I think it might be a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and then uh, I thought it was a pretty funny gag, too. When Alex goes home after meeting uh, uh, Ellen, I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, Alan. It's <laughs> Alan. Because I'm, I'm putting Tracy Alex Pollen, and Ellen, Ellen together. Howard. Yeah. Yes. And uh, he's talking to Elise, and he talked about how Ellen had said he was insecure. And he's like, you know, the whole, I'm not insecure. And my mom, do you think I'm insecure? (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh, too. Because I would not want anyone to think I'm insecure. (laughs) Just two more quick ones. The Vince Picardo painting, hilarious. Yes, fantastic. Oh, I forgot. Do you remember? So this is kind of fashion and a joke to me at the same time. When Steven and Elise are getting ready to go for yes. a run, yes. and Steven's shorts are just tiny. Oh, tiny, I, tiny. I thought he was walking out in his underwear when he first yes. came out. I'm like, oh, that's going to be the joke because he's coming out in his underwear and Alex's girlfriend is over. No, that's just the shorts he was wearing. But then at one point he pulls a stopwatch out of those shorts. Yeah, where was he keeping that? Where were the pockets in that thing? <laughs> no pockets in those shorts. <laughs> I had to rewatch that. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and Elise's shorts were like even shorter. I mean, the two of them. Yes, that was that was quite a get up. We're we're definitely in the mid to late eighties here now. Yeah, no dolphin shorts all the way. But oh my goodness, wow, those were short shorts. I do not miss that part of uh, the eighties. Yikes! And then the last thing I wrote down is when Alex and Ellen were sharing that uh, very passionate dance uh, towards the end of the episode. 
and they share the kiss and then she pushes away from him and she goes to run and he goes, Oh, Ellen, I slipped. <laughs> I was like, your, your tongue just slipped right out of your mouth and got her. <laughs> oh, but that made me laugh pretty hard too. At that point, Tessa looks over at me and she goes, I'm going to dance with my husband one day too. And I said, sure you will in another 25 years. Oh, yeah. sweet. That was that put her at 30 then? Uh, no, 29. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Two weeks yeah, before that's, she's that's 29, but still 29. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not heartless. No, I mean, that's that's before your 30s. That's yes. totally. Oh, she's got all the time in the world. I won't even tell you how old I'll be when she's 30, but you know. We're going to be doing podcasting about TV shows for years, decades to come. Do you think we'll be beaming it into people's heads at that point? Oh, I'm sure of it. Yeah, nice. absolutely. It's going to be harder to edit, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. People will have unfettered access to what we say without me you know, controlling it, and that could be dangerous. Oh, yeah, because we say horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Or That's not. right. People would have no idea. No, not really. <laughs> we just say um a lot more than people are probably aware of. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, when I can't think of words and I'm like, hey, Phil, what's that word? <laughs> if I was to put all the ums between you and I in just like a separate audio file... I think it would probably equal at least five or six minutes each episode. Oh, that'd be so cool. Bonus track. Maybe that'll, when we start doing a Patreon, we can have all the us in there. Oh, nice. And we'll put it up. It'll go with the music at this moment. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, uh, uh. That'll be our theme song. Sha la la la. I also love the part when he's talking with the lease. And she, they do this whole conversation, and while they're talking about it, the whole thing about am I immature or am I insecure? And meanwhile, she's getting out a thing of ice cream from the freezer and serves it up to them. And they never talk about, like, do you want ice cream? It's just, I'm just getting this ice cream out, and I'm serving it up. Did you notice it didn't just say, like, cherry on the side? Yeah, it was, well, Janelle was pretty confident that it was haagen I was just going to say the same thing. It yeah. looked like a, a container. It had still been modified, though, obviously, because I'm sure they weren't a sponsor, but uh, right. it definitely had that vibe to it. Their their food budget is way better now. Yeah, because there was definitely ice cream in there. Oh, yeah, like a chocolate chip looking kind, too. Because at one point, she's holding the container, like pointing it to Alex, and it's like she's already ditched out the two bowls. I don't know what she was doing <laughs> then. Just a lot of ice cream. <laughs> she was real hungry. The only other thing that I observed, this is not really like a comedic, but I thought it was interesting. There's a part near the beginning when Alex is laying out his plans for how he's going to go and meet these girls. And it kind of fades out and he's still talking, narrating his plan. And he's doing a voiceover over himself walking down the hallway in to go meet Trisha. Oh, I did Which is just like an that. interesting moment that we never have had in a Family Ties episode before. And I don't know, I just thought it was an interesting choice there. It definitely it felt more like movie-like, you know, so that we were kind of getting that that heightened sense of romance and it was more stylized than just the on a stage kind of thing, you know. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Well, they learned some tricks from uh, making some movies there. Yeah, absolutely. So Heidi wanted me to ask you about, she noticed that the filming style seemed different. Like, it's a little more in focus, it's more clear. It just seemed more real looking, you know, versus more, you know, kind of grainy, I guess, in the first couple of seasons there. Well, it's possible they got, you know, newer cameras, better equipment, but different lighting. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't observe it 
closely enough to to notice that, but it still definitely was still like video as opposed to the film that we saw like in the movie. You yes, know? the quality is definitely better because this you know we're they're starting to get to the height of their ratings. This episode did really well. You know, so it's very possible they're getting to the point where they have a little more money to spend on the episodes. And know? I wondered if instead of maybe using one camera, they were using two. So it just, you were getting a clear cut on the video itself or the, the recording. Well, this is interesting that you mentioned that because the sitcom, like we're used to seeing, you know, on, on a stage like that, is known as a multi-camera shoot as opposed to a single camera, which is like a movie. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean they can't use more than one camera on a movie, but the idea is that there's always, you know, depending on the show, multiple cameras at different angles capturing what's happening on this stage as it's playing out so that they can use, you know, they just do the whole scene one time through and they can get a shot of, you know, up close on Alex's face and then up close on Steven's face without redoing the scene. It's all being done in one take, but they have multiple cameras angling at it, you know. Yeah. Which works because it's all from one angle because we're at the audience looking into a set. Whereas, you know, a film camera, when they're doing like a movie, they just got one and they're picking a specific angle and doing it each time. So that makes sense. Anyway, hmm. all that is to say they probably did upgrade their stuff and uh, and just made it look better. Whether that's cameras or lighting or whatever, I think they've they've got a little better budget now. Maybe a combination of all of those things. It could be. Absolutely. Nice. Of course, I could just be totally making this up. I don't know what I'm talking about. But that's what it seems like, you know. Well, that's what your degree's in. So at least your hypothesis is probably a little more educated than just me guessing. It's based on, like, something, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it's definitely, uh, you could tell the difference. And uh, it just, it did look cleaner and the cuts were nice. And so they definitely have changed it up a little bit, so. My final hypothesis is that the older something is, the longer it's had to be preserved and the less preserving there may have been done. And so it's also possible that there's more deterioration on the older stuff. Okay. Because now that we have everything digitally, once something's captured digitally, it doesn't necessarily deteriorate as long as we have like a true digital capture of it, you know. But yeah. And back the older copies. stuff, the longer it's around, those tapes, you know, demagnetize or film can degrade or whatever. So I guess that's true, huh? So maybe a combination of all that. I'm sure they've like digitized the classics then, right? Well, I mean, eventually, but, you know, it was not even a thing to be done up to a certain point. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, you know, Citizen Kane, obviously, you know, they couldn't digitize that one originally. But I'm sure they've since put it on some sort of a digital format just to preserve it. Yeah, well, once it's on DVD, it's in a digital format. So, yeah. But don't they have, like, master copies of those things? Yeah, they do. Yeah, but. It is, yeah, but but it, you know it's worth it's worth addressing because yeah, the older something is, and that's why I mean, if you really want to go nutsos into it, there's all kinds of interesting documentaries and short videos on YouTube about like restoration of old film stock and videotape and stuff because a lot of I mean a lot of the original stuff, especially stuff from you know like you said, Citizen Kane, 30s, 40s, 50s, like that stuff is all degraded a bunch and some of the things we have are only like copies of a copy but then with digital stuff they're able to you know when they remaster it kind of reproduce some of it but anyway it's interesting that the whole film preservation and video preservation is a very deep dive if you ever want to spend a few hours looking around on the internet well i think i might like video vhs tapes vhs tapes are a big deal because Things that have not been digitized, that have only been on VHS, like those tapes are degrading. And 
some things that we don't have, those might be lost forever, you know? You mean like Star Wars episodes 4, 5, and 6, the original versions? Those are definitely preserved somewhere, <laughs> but our VHS tapes are not lasting so well as we know. So. No, you lost one uh, recently, didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah. Well, at least part of it. Yeah. I was able to salvage most of it, but... Were you able to get a, a pencil with a big enough eraser to, to rewind or to <laughs> fix it? <laughs> I, I just used my thumb on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la! Well, what about a life lesson? Do you have any kind of a life lesson for this first uh, first part of this episode? I'm projecting a little bit onto what I'm pretty sure the next one is going to go into. But uh, the person that is a good uh, connection or a good match for you is not necessarily, you know, just the person that you're, you know, instantly shallowly attracted to, that there's so much more that goes into a relationship. And, uh, you know, even though he and Ellen seem to, like, clash at first, they have so much more uh, of a connection, you know. And and even though they don't have the same interests in some ways, they have so much more in common than he realized because he was looking deeper beneath the surface. Yep. Yep, she kind of got under his skin. What really got under his skin was just the way that she she understood him. She saw him for who he was. Uh-huh. And that's so much more important than someone who's shallow and, and not, you know, connecting with you on that level. So. Yeah, somebody who doesn't even see that, see the deeper you. Nope, that's exactly what I got so far, too. So we're right in the same All thing. Right. So I'll be curious to see if it holds through the uh, second episode. I have a feeling that's where it's going, but we'll update our, our moral if we have if we have need to in the next episode. Perfect. And I think that's going to do it for this episode oh. of Alex Bikin is My Friend. Already? I know. It feels like we just began, but it's time. I guess. If you say so. I say so. All right. <laughs> fine. Well, thanks so much, Keith, for uh, co-hosting with me, as <sighs> always. Thank you so much. And I'm super excited for season four. I know. We're, we're back with a new season. It's good stuff. Very exciting. Good to be back. Hey, what if somebody wanted to email us and just talk about season four with us? Where would they email us? Well, what I would do if I were you, dear listeners, is I would send us an email at alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. You could also send us a message on our Facebook page, the Alex B. Keaton is My Friend Facebook page. And while you're there, please join the Alex B. Keaton is My Friend Facebook group. It's called A Group for the Friends of the Alex B. Keaton is My Friend podcast. Huh. Sounds so simple when you say it. It is. If you put those words in some format or another, Alex B. Keaton is my friend, you'll come up with us. Perfect. We're your one-stop shop for all things Alex B. Keaton. That's right. And thank you again, everyone, for listening. We love having you along. Thanks for writing in and giving us the information, Julia, that we will be using on the next episode to talk a little bit more about their real-life relationship. Yeah, and didn't Beth had mentioned too that she had some input for season four, so I'm hoping she writes in still too. Yes, absolutely. Whether that's through our Facebook page or in the group or through an email, we'd love to hear from you as well. And anyone else who's out there listening who wants to chime in on this romance for the ages. Oh, can't wait. Well, we have to wait one more week, but we'll be back again next week. So thanks again, Keith. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next time on another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? 
And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through.